you take God's precious word and turn to the book of Jude. And while we're turning there, we'll give a couple of quick announcements. One, we've got uh, uh, a donation. We've got a, a new, uh, well, uh, new to us, organ being donated by Brother Jess's family and her, his mother. And, and uh, so we're grateful for that. So uh, I don't know if Brother Jess, have, have you, do you need me to announce for some help to go with you? or Well, if anyone can help Brother Jess this afternoon after church, bring the organ up here. See Brother Jess after church. We'll, we'll do it like that. And uh, anyway, God willing, we'll have Miss Glenda up here playing the organ real soon. I'm looking forward to that. Thank you, Abel. For If any of y'all ever wonder, Mr. Abel goes over and locks everybody up, make sure the kiddos are safe in the nursery, and then he locks us up here to make sure we don't get flanked by a bad guy while I'm preaching, and he locks us up back there so we're all nice and safe. All right. Uh, our count this week is 154 gospel contacts and 957 for the year now. So I'm grateful for that. Uh, I'm looking forward to hearing from Brother Wisdom. He's seven hours ahead of us. So he's probably already had his first church service in his, uh, his new house church there after he's broken off from the Salvation Army uh, to try to get more biblical and, uh, and free from political ties and, uh, and was willing to go to work and work a, a, a manual labor to be able to do that. And I, I'm so thankful for him. But I've asked him to send me some photos and maybe even a little video or something so I can share with you all. Uh, but keep him and this new uh, church in your prayers. And I heard from a pastor in the Philippines today. He's eager to get his books that we sent him. And uh, I checked, uh, tracked them, and they've gone so far as Manila there in the Philippines. So they're on their way to him, and he's eager to, uh, eager to read them. All right, if you take your Bibles now, you should be in the book of Jude. The book of Jude, and God willing, will be expounding verse 16 this morning. But before we get to verse 16, we're going to have to take a close look at the end of verse 15. Uh, so we can study uh, both verses in their proper context. Uh, so let's look together, if you would, in verse 15 now. And I'm so looking forward to expounding this text to you today. I had such a wonderful study in God's Word. Uh, so let's look together in verse 15 now, where Jude, quoting Enoch, said Jesus was coming back, look in your text now, to execute judgment upon all, and to convince all that are ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds, which they have ungodly committed, and of all their hard speeches, which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your precious word. I thank you for the wonderful teaching in Sunday school, and the wonderful singing and worship and memory verse time we've had already today. And I pray your precious spirit, Father, will teach your word and edify your saints this morning. We ask it in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. 
All right, so at the end of verse 15, if you would, take your pens and underscore, uh, underscore the words hard speeches, hard speeches. And then underscore the words spoken against him. And I think it's easy for us to wonder when we look at this text. Now, wait a minute. If Enoch is talking about counterfeit preachers, or if Enoch is including in this counterfeit preachers, and these counterfeit preachers have snuck into the church unawares, unnoticed, how can they be having hard speeches spoken against God and slip into the church unawares? I think it's easier for us to understand the ungodly deeds that counterfeit Christians commit, but it may be a little more difficult for us to understand the hard speeches that they have spoken against the Lord. Because how can they slip into the church unnoticed and be speaking openly against God? I mean, if I came up here today and I started speaking against God, y'all would know something was wrong with me, right? (laughs) Surely a false teacher would be spotted in a moment if they walked into a church and started talking bad about God. So what are these hard speeches Jude is referring to? And how do they fit into verse 16, which we're about to get into in just a moment? I believe we can best answer those questions if you take your Bibles, keep your place here in the book of Jude, keep your bookmarker there, and turn to the Gospel of John chapter 6. The Gospel of John chapter 6. I tell you, this is a marvelous chapter. I've referred to it many times in our studies here at this church, and I have found it to be a crucial text to be able to explain many other texts in the Bible. In John chapter 6, Jesus was in a church like we are now. He was in a synagogue. He wasn't out in a field. He wasn't up on a mountain. He was in church just like we are right now. And uh, he was explaining to a bunch of Jews in the synagogue that as God had sent manna down in the wilderness to their ancestors so they could live physically in the desert by eating that physical bread he said so God had sent him down so that people could eat of him spiritually and live eternally because he is the bread of life and that they could eat through his sacrifice so spiritually speaking as one would eat manna to live physically so we must eat Jesus to live spiritually and eternally. Well, those Jews didn't like those words at all. They didn't like them at all. In fact, those were hard speeches against the Jews. Okay, follow me now. Look with me now in verse 52 of John chapter 6. It says, The Jews therefore strove among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? Then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Except ye eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, ye have no life in you. Whoso eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood hath eternal life. I love that because I've eaten his flesh and drank his blood. And I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is meat indeed and my blood is drink indeed. He that eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood dwelleth in me and I in him. As the living Father has 
hath sent me, and I live by the Father. So he that eateth me, even he shall live by me. This is that bread which came down from heaven, not as your fathers did eat manna and are dead. He that eateth of this bread shall live forever. These things said he in the synagogue as he taught in Capernaum. So here is a true preacher of God's word, preaching the truth of God, preaching the gospel like it's never been preached before in a church in Capernaum. But the Jews were all up in arms over this sermon. And I want you to see today how some of Jesus' followers responded to what he said. Now, when we're looking at the word disciples, remember the word disciples here in the text means followers. We're not talking about the 12 disciples he originally picked. We are talking about many of the disciples who took up after he picked them and were following him for a time. Just like people go to church. They come to church every Sunday. They are disciples of Christ, but it does not mean they are converts of Christ. does not mean they are believers in the Lord Jesus Christ and His sacrifice for them. So now look with me in verse 60, please, in uh, uh, John chapter 6. Many, therefore, of His disciples, when they had heard this, said, take your pens, they said, this is what? And hard saying, underscore and hard saying. And hard saying. Same Greek word here is what Jude is using. Okay? It's a hard saying. Jude said Jesus was going to come back and judge false preachers in the church for the hard things that they have spoken against him. And many of Jesus' followers here were troubled by the hard saying that Jesus had spoken against them. Okay? But what made the saying hard? Well, Jesus' saying was hard because what Jesus was saying were spiritual words. He went on later to say, the words that I speak to you, they're spirit in their life. Jesus was speaking spiritual words to carnal people. And the spiritual words which are easy to us. His yoke is easy. His burden is light to us. The spiritual words which are life to us were a burden to them. They were hard speeches to them. Okay? So Jesus' saying was hard because it was spoken by the Holy Spirit. Look with me in verse 61 now of John 6. When Jesus knew in Himself that His disciples murmured, underscore the word murmured there, does that remind you of anything in the Old Testament book of Exodus, by the way? When they murmured, okay? When, when His disciples murmured at it, He said unto them, Doth this offend you? What and if ye shall see the Son of Man ascend up before He was before? It is the Spirit that quickeneth. The flesh profiteth nothing. They were fleshly people. He was speaking to them spiritual words. He says, the words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. Now again, uh, if you haven't already, underscore the word murmured there in John chapter 6. Because it's going to be important for you to remember when we get into verse 16 here in just a moment. Like the Jews in the Old Testament 
who murmured against God and against Moses. These followers of Christ murmured against Jesus. As they murmured against the man God sent the church in the wilderness in the Old Testament, they were murmuring against the man God sent the church in the New Testament. That's the same thing happening here. Jesus was speaking spiritual words and when they should have been seeking to understand what Jesus said, they complained that what Jesus said was a hard saying. But the reason it was hard, Jesus explained, because he was speaking once again spiritual words to carnal people. These were fleshly minded followers of Christ. They were not true believers. They were not true believers. They were counterfeit Christians who had slipped into the followers of Christ crowd unawares. And after this exchange with Jesus, the many disciples that said it was a hard speech, the very same language, a few verses down said, and many of his disciples followed him no more. The same people that said it was a hard speech and murmured at it, when Jesus took them to task, they turned around and they walked away. They were not true disciples of Christ. They just came to church. So to recap, they were fleshly-minded disciples of Jesus, murmuring about spiritual words that were hard to them, while in Jude 15, it is the counterfeit Christians who are the ones accused of having the hard sayings. You see? So why were Jesus' sayings hard to the counterfeit Christians? And why are the sayings uh, uh, why are their sayings hard to Christ? Because the flesh lusteth against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. And these, the Bible says in Galatians 5.17, are contrary the one to the other. So in John chapter 6, we have Jesus going into a hypocrite's church and speaking hard sayings against them. But in the book of Jude, we have hypocrites coming into Jesus' church and speaking hard sayings against us. See the difference? You've got Jesus going into a hypocrite's church in John 6, speaking spiritual words to carnal people. And then you have counterfeit pastors coming into a real church, speaking carnal words to spiritual people. That's the difference. And as those false disciples murmured against Jesus' spiritual words in John 6, so look with me now in verse 16. These, that is these creepy clergies, are also murmurers, complainers. See how that goes together? The creepy clergy, they're like the Israelites who followed God out of Egypt. They followed Him. What does that mean? They were His disciples. They were followers. They followed God out of Egypt, but they despised the things of God in their hearts. Write down in your notes or in your margins, Psalm 106 24 through 25, it explains it. The Bible says, yea, they despised the pleasant land. They believed not his words, but murmured in their hearts, just like the disciples in John 6, and hearkened not unto the voice of the Lord. They despised the pleasant land. They believed not God's words, 
They murmured in their tents. They pretended to be the people of God, but when they were put to the test in the wilderness, they were more comfortable with the pagans back in Egypt than they were with the building of God's kingdom in the Holy Land that He had promised them. And in the same way, these counterfeit preachers that Jews describing, they pretend to be the representatives of God. They pretend to be all about doing God's will here on earth. But the truth is, they are actually, look back in your text, walking after their own lusts. They walk after the lust of their own flesh, which again is contrary to the Spirit of God. And thus, it is opposed to God's Word. You start preaching deep doctrines of Christ, it's going to be hard saying to people who do not know Christ. These people use the church as a facade, as a front, that they can masquerade behind, so that they can appear to be serving the church, while they're actually using the church as a means to further their own carnal agenda and if you'll turn with me now to Exodus chapter 32 again keep your place in the book of Jude please Exodus chapter 32 we can see how cleverly these mouthy ministers that's the title of this message mouthy ministers how cleverly these mouthy ministers can slip into the camp And turn people's hearts away from God. All the while acting as if they're serving God. Oh, are they clever. Now, to give you some background, in Exodus chapter 32, Moses had gone up into Mount Sinai to get the law from God and to meet with the Lord there on the mountain. But it took him a while for him to come back, if you'll remember the story. And when Moses didn't come back down that mountain quick enough for the people's liking, this gave the counterfeit Christians the chance they needed to turn the people's hearts away from God. Look with me now in Exodus chapter 32, verse 1 through 4. And when the people saw that Moses delayed to come down out of the mount, the people gathered themselves together unto Aaron and said unto him, Up, make us gods. Which shall go before us. For as for this Moses. The man that brought us up out of the land of Egypt. We wot not or we don't know. What is become of him. And Aaron said unto them. Break off the golden earrings. Which are in your ear. In the ears of your wives. Of your sons. And of your daughters. And bring them unto me. And all the people break off the golden earrings. Which were in their ears. And brought them unto Aaron. And he received them at their hand. And fashioned it with a graving tool after he had made it a molten calf. And they said, they said, These be thy gods, O Israel, which brought thee up out of the land of Egypt. Isn't that amazing? These counterfeit Christians, many of the followers that followed God out of Egypt, they put pressure on Aaron. He then gets them sanctioned to some false idols, and then those counterfeit Christians then declared to the people, these are the gods that brought you out of the land of Egypt. Do you know what happened? Do you know what the people had been doing there in the wilderness? The same thing they did with Jesus. They had been mur- 
murmuring against the Lord. Oh, we remember the leeks and the onions and the hamburgers and the pizza and all that stuff we had back in Egypt. Oh, they were just thinking back to good old Egypt. They made out as if they wanted to go to the promised land. They made out as if they were all about following God, but they murmured against the man God sent to lead them. And they murmured at the direction God was taking them. And by the time we get down to Exodus chapter 32, where we just read, while Moses was on the mountain, these counterfeit Christians had cleverly substituted idols for the one true God. They even got Aaron to make a golden calf, and they said, These be thy gods, O Israel, which brought thee up out of the land of Egypt. Now watch in verse 5. In verse 5 says, And when Aaron saw it, he built an altar before it, before the golden calf. And Aaron made proclamation and said, watch this now, Tomorrow is a feast to whom? To the Lord, to Jehovah. To Jehovah, the one true God. When Aaron saw the golden calf, he built an altar for the idol and proclaimed a feast to the Lord. Built an altar for the idol... Proclaimed a feast to the Lord. Are you catching what's going on here? Are you seeing how these mouthy ministers, these creepy clergy can can do this? Do you see what's happening? They were still worshiping the name of the Lord, but it was no longer the Lord they were worshiping. That's what's happening in our churches. That's the clever bait and switch the creepy clergy pull upon the churches of God. The same error that corrupted the camp of the Israelites is the same error corrupting the churches today. Churches say they are serving the Lord, but the truth is they have fashioned an idol with their own hands according to their own lust, and they have built an altar before that idol while proclaiming a feast to the God of the Bible. They are worshiping the name of the Lord, but it is no longer the Lord they are worshiping. They murmur against the doctrines of the gospel of grace, which alone can bring them to the promised land. Look back in your text now in Jude. And, Jude says, instead of preaching truth, their mouth speaketh great swelling words. Look at that. It's amazing because what Brother Shepherd taught in this morning in Sunday school again, it's almost word for word in that passage with the 400 false prophets. How it dovetails into this. Instead of preaching truth, their mouth speaks great swelling words. The 400 prophets were liars. Then you had that one, one little dim light. Micaiah preaching the truth over there. One man preaching the truth against 400 prophets. What the prophets lacked in substantive truth, they had to make up for in volume. I'd rather have one prophet telling me the truth and 400 lying to me, wouldn't you, Brother Doug? That's what they do. Same thing with these false teachers here in the church. You know, what, what these preachers lack in substance, they make up for in size. Remember, Jude says these false teachers are clouds without what? 
Clouds without water, clouds without rain. And if the ground is dry, I'd rather have a small cloud with a lot of rain than a large cloud with a lot of wind, wouldn't you? You bet. The truth is like rain. It is water. What's essential for life that comes down from heaven. But these preachers don't have truth. If they did, they wouldn't be creepy clergy. (laughs) They don't preach truth. They murmur at it. They are clouds without rain. And what does a preacher do if his words don't have truth? Well, that's easy. They just get themselves some bigger words. Right? The Apostle Peter says, They speak great swelling words of vanity. Do you know what that means? It means their sermons are a whole bunch of nothing. That's literally what he's saying. Oh, in their messages, they'll have plenty of foot stomping. They'll have plenty of shouting. They'll have plenty of dancing. They'll have plenty of scolding, plenty of crying, sentiment, and emotional drama. They'll be absent of the truth of Jesus Christ. They give great swelling words, but they have no great saving truth inside them. With great swelling words, they speak hard speeches of their flesh. And those things are contrary to the Spirit of God. Therefore, they are hard speeches spoken against God. Make sense? And they do so, look back in your text in Jude, they do so having men's persons in admiration. Not God's person in admiration, but men's persons in admiration They don't care about pleasing God. They preach only caring about pleasing men. They have a product they're trying to sell. And they want as many people to buy it as possible. And don't get me wrong. I want you to enjoy all the Bible teaching you get here at this church. It makes me so happy to know the people love the teaching of God's Word. They get here on Sunday and Wednesday nights. But when I preach, I want to please God because I know I have to stand before Him one day and give an account for what I've taught in His name. I want... God to be pleased with my service to him as a pastor. But when these false teachers preach, they are not doing so with the intention of pleasing God. They are doing so in order to please men. Their great swelling words are custom tailored to tickle the itching ears of the people that they're talking to. Their carnal words for carnal congregants. And they put them out there for one reason. Look back in your text. Because of advantage. The Greek word translated advantage here, you'll never guess it. It means profit. <laughs> it's the same word the Apostle Paul used in Romans 3.1. When he asked, what profit is there in circumcision? <laughs> I... Uh, I was in preparation for this study. I watched, and I think Brother Shepherd had talked to me about it uh, a couple of Sundays ago, but I watched this video. It was a, it was a real heartwarming video with Creflo Dollar in it and some other preacher. And uh, they, 
they had this big old church out there, man. And I wish I could, I wish I could, I'll, I'll try to do a little for you, okay? I'll try to but get, you, get your joystick ready on that camera up there, brother. They did not have a uh, little communion table here. Probably they don't take communion. But all they had was the steps all the way across the altar. You, this one you were talking to me about, right? You and I were talking about it, where the people were throwing money up there on the steps of the altar. Did you see that one? Might not have been that one. All right. Well, that was a good one. You need to see this one. So all these people, they're up there, and there's these two preachers, one on this end, one on the other end, and the people are coming down from the pews, and they're throwing money literally at the feet of these preachers. And the preachers are putting the anointing on their money. You know how they're doing They're doing a money dance on it. They go like this, man. They got, that, they got cash. I'm telling you, there was cash from here all down the other end. It's filled full of cash. And that preacher gets up and says, I'm going to put the anointing on this money. And he's stomping on this money all the way across. And then the other one gets on the other side and they're putting the anointing on the money. Because as they throw that money down and they put the anointing on the money, that means more money is coming back to them. That's the teaching. The prosperity gospel. Now what more could somebody want if they're carnal followers of Jesus than a load of cash in their bank account so they can consume it on their carnal lust? What a deal. So they speak great swelling words. And, and the, great, the crazy thing is, as they were stomping on it and dancing on the money, they were saying, Hallelujah! 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 There wasn't anything to praise God about. God's not getting excited about that. But when they were saying hallelujah, it's all the same thing as saying, here's my idol. Let's proclaim a feast to Jehovah. Same thing. That's happening there in Exodus. These be thy gods, O Israel, which brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. You can have all the freedom and prosperity you want with your green God right here. And these preachers are preaching these carnal words, these great swelling words, tickling the people's ears for advantage, for profit. And all the words they're speaking in the name of God are actually spoken against God. And God's going to come back one day in the person of His Son. And He's going to hold court and condemn these counterfeit preachers. Because we were not redeemed with corruptible things such as silver and gold. But with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without spot and without blemish. And that's worth saying hallelujah about. That dollar is going to get weaker and weaker. And one day it's not going to be worth anything. Certainly not worth anything beyond this world. But the blood of Jesus that was shed to atone for the sins of the human race. Oh, wow, that gives me 10,000 reasons to sing forevermore. Mouthy ministers, bunch of fakes, they're just preachers for profit. They will give you the words you want in order to get what they want from you. And with that, we'll go ahead and close. And Lord willing, we will take back up. In verse 17, next Lord's Day. Any of y'all want to watch that, get on YouTube. 
Look up Crayflo Dollar, C-R-E-F-L-O-W, last name Dollar. And there's some preacher preach about money. He's named himself Crayflo Dollar. And put on their money dance or whatever, and you'll see them. You'll see it. And you'll have a good idea of the type of people Jude is writing about. Writing so many years ago, yet it's so relevant to right now. Father, we thank you so much for your precious word. We love you so much. We thank you, Father, for the warnings that you've given us. And not just the warnings, Father, but the explanation. How hard it would be for us to look and see the, 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 the false teachings in the, in, in the name of Christ, in the name of the God of the Bible. And how hard it would be for us to understand how that could happen to the church of Jesus had the apostles of Jesus not warned us ahead of time. And since they did warn us ahead of time, they didn't prophesy great swelling words of how great the church would become and how, how uh, no mistakes would be able to happen in the church. Then we would know it was false. But because they told us ahead of time that the errors would come into the church, the false teachers would slip in. Now that we've seen it come to pass, we know the truth was spoken. We thank you so much and we pray that you'll help this church to grow in the grace of Jesus Christ until he comes again. Amen.